0: I think the great PIOs have built a relationship with not only the, the stakeholders of the media, but also the stakeholders of the community, and communicate with them on a daily basis, from everything of what the department is doing to what the department needs, to what those community those in your community need to know each and every day to take care of themselves.
1: Chance of Sky Media. media. federal resources studio this is code three the firefighters podcast hosted by award-winning journalist scott Orr. code three features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy tactics and other topics you need to know more about now here's scott that's right and i will not let parkinson stop me thank you for joining me for another edition of code three This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Today, we're going to talk about a role in the fire department that's near to my heart, the PIO. The public information officer was always the key to my getting information about the department, its people, and the incidents it covered when I was a newsman. But I had to build a relationship with each PIO before they would trust me, and that made sense. Now, the best PIOs are the ones who recognize that good journalists aren't out to get them. We just want the best pictures and sound for our stories. And solid PIOs are proactive, too, promoting the good things that fire departments do on a daily basis. Back again to discuss this, our P.J. Norwood, a Deputy Chief Training Officer for the East Haven, Connecticut Fire Department. Hello, P.J. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me tonight. And Sean Gray, a 21-year veteran of the fire service and a lieutenant in the Cobb County, Georgia Fire Department. Hello, Sean. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Welcome back to Code 3, guys. I've gotten the impression over the years that a lot of departments think of a PIO as a luxury or an extra. I've always felt that's really not the case, though. Sean, let me ask you, what has your experience been? So
2: pretty interesting, actually, that, you, that this as uh, the topic, because... We actually have had a PIO that was, I'll, I'll just be transparent, fairly lackluster. And uh, really just the media would contact them and maybe they'd get back to them or maybe they wouldn't. Or they would just refer them to the officers out on the scene and that kind of stuff. So just very inactive. Um, but recently, we actually brought a young gentleman into the office uh, to be part of the PIO team, if you will. And, uh, he has a, a background in social media marketing. And man, I can, it has done wonders for our department. It's only been about, oh, I don't know, two months or so. And I, the reach of our department and what you see on social media and even what you see in our uh, media outlets here in the local metro Atlanta area has been tremendous. And it's all really because of him. And so I, I think that social media is a powerful piece. To get that initial news source out there, hey, there's an active working fire in Cobb County right now, and it kind of notifies the news agencies, and then they get out to the scene, and then interviews and stuff like that are able to occur. So it's recently gotten a lot better, but it's been not so good in the past.
1: PJ, what's the difference between a great PIO and just an average one?
2: I would look at a great PIO versus
0: just an average one is something you mentioned in the beginning is a PIO that is proactive uh PIO who is building relationships with not only the news agencies and uh, both you know print and TV agencies but also with the community. I think today the, the community expects to hear from us on a regular basis. I and mean, if we're not utilizing the tools of social media to engage our community a daily basis from the fire the EMS as well as the natural disaster perspective point of view from our our job and providing them the education that they need each and every day, we're not going to be able to reach them and communicate with them on a time of need. So I think the great PIOs have built a relationship with not only the the stakeholders of the media, but also the stakeholders of the community and communicate with them on a daily basis from everything of what the department is doing to what the department needs to what those community those in your community need to know each and every day to take care of themselves each and every day and in the time of emergency so those a great PIOs are one of those uh, that are out in there out in their community and they're engaging their community each and every
1: day I'm glad you mentioned social media because that's where I was going next Sean can you tell me how social media and the fact that departments can control their own messaging has changed the way media operate.
2: So I'll tell you, we had, in our our former administration, we had some chiefs that were very conservative, and they were not really happy about anything being on social media. So any of our fires, none of it. So, you know, a lot of people thought Cobb County was a place that didn't go to a lot of fires because they didn't see it on social media. Well, then some guys in the organization created some social media sites you may have seen them and it's called job county j-o-b-b county and there's some there's some stuff on uh instagram and facebook's called job county firewire and if you follow on instagram i don't know how many followers they have now but they have a lot and so that's where the posting started coming from kind of an informal site anonymous people were posting them And people in the department started to send their pictures and videos to this anonymous site. But it became so popular, it almost forced the hand of the department to go, what's this Job County thing all about? And then they saw nothing but positive things from the community. Thank you for your service. Thank you guys so much. You guys are heroes. Thank you for saving my dog. Thank you for saving my daughter. All those kind of things started to pop up on this anonymous unofficial site. So then now Cobb County has social media outlets all together on everything. And that's really, like PJ mentioned earlier, reaching the community is huge. That We're not just posting fires. I mean, our PIOs are posting things about uh, close before you doze and smoke detector safety and all, all that kind of stuff.
1: During my career as a newsman, I found there were two types of PIOs generally. One was the type that was willing to give me a hand when I needed some help at a fire scene. If I needed to speak to someone specifically, they could get them for me. And the other was the kind who believed that their job was to keep me out of the way. They acted as though they preferred that news media not even be at a scene. Now, that was how I looked at them. I'm curious how you feel about this and how you feel about the PIO's job at a fire scene. You
0: no, know, Scott, I think that knowing uh, and being around long enough, I know that the reporters today and those in the community today are going to get their story. They're going to get their photos. They're going to get their information. They're going to get what they want to get with you or without you. So if you're not being proactive and working with the media and giving them the information and providing them uh, the, pro- the right, accurate, timely information, and if you're not working with them to put them into a safe, secure area so they can get some good photos or videos, um, they're going to get that anyways. So I always try to work on it's better to work with them than try to work against them. Provide them with the information. Provide them with good, timely updates. And put them in a spot that they can see and give them some guidance on the things you don't want them to air. And I think that's an important piece to remember that the reporters, if you're working with them, they're going to can want to continue a positive relationship with you. And if you ask them not to air certain pieces of the incident, whether it's to protect the patient or to protect the family – or to preserve potential evidence that you don't want out there in the community at that point in time, they're going to work with you because they want to continue to build that relationship and build that trust with you. So I've always found it easier to give them what they want and put them in a spot that works for you and them, and it makes makes everything everything much smoother. It makes it smoother for them, smoother for you, and it keeps them uh, controlled and corralled, you know, and you get the right message out
1: Yeah, you get the message out the way that you would prefer it be crafted rather than just hoping that they report it that way. I'll be back with more right after this. Federal Resources
0: is a mission-critical solutions provider with only one goal, to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat, at home or abroad, that they are called on to respond to. Your mission is to protect and defend... Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com.
1: So, have you run into a situation where you maybe you have a younger re- reporter or a younger photographer who, when you ask them not to use something, they say, well, I have the right to use it because it's out here in the open and I've got video and I'm going to put it on the air. Have you run into that and what do you do at that point?
2: We have in Cobb and, you know, we, we always try to handle things diligently. And I think it's worked out that we didn't try to challenge them back and we just tried to work with them and create, stay calm and try to create a, a relationship with them. So much so where we've had situations that have come up where firefighters for our department got in a lot of trouble. Things that were newsworthy, especially with the fact that they were a firefighter off duty. And those stories came up and the news media was going to run those stories. And we were able to make those phone calls and go, hey, could you spare us the, the bad media? And because we were respectful with the media in the past on our fire scenes, I feel like that created a relationship to where a lot of those bad news stories that may have occurred inside the department really didn't run. So we haven't had very many negative news stories run against Cobb County. And I feel that's because we have had an open, honest relationship with the media and allowed them really inside of our scenes to to make them feel comfortable, um, That especially with our new PIO. Uh He is really trying to do a very good job of trying to explain things to the reporters. Uh, I just saw a thing recently with some firefighters up on the roof, and um they asked what were the firefighters up there doing, why did they have saws, and, and he did a, an excellent job explaining, you know, hey, they're up there trying to release the products of combustion to uh create visibility for the firefighters inside that help search for and rescue victims and allows them to see better. And, I mean, so those, I feel like that's having people like that. Using that to your advantage and, and educating the media really helps to tell the story.
1: And, PJ, you had a comment on that? Yeah, you know, um, in, in my
0: department, we haven't had that incident happen that all that often. Being a smaller department in a smaller community than, than Cobb, uh, we often have had some sort of relationship with the reporters in the past Working with them for fire prevention education or positive things in the community. So, anytime that uh, issues have come up like that, they're always really willing to work with us. We did have one incident uh, a couple years ago. We had a, a plane crash. A plane crashed into two houses, killing uh, four people. And that's when we were exposed to a whole different level of media from not just the the local media, but some national media, as well as Hurricane Irene and Hurricane Sandy brought national media. And that's where we started running into that issue, realizing that we didn't have relationships built with the National Media Corps, uh, but we better get on board pretty quickly and build those relationships so we don't have those problems. And we found that what we've always been doing with the small local news agencies, approaching them, putting them In the place that you want them to be and giving them the information worked out really well, even though we didn't have those relationships built prior that we were able to use our prior experience of working with the local media to initially engage the national media. Well, we found that if you sit back and wait for them to engage you, uh, things aren't going to go so well. So if you're proactive and engage them uh, early on and you engage them first, things are going to usually go to the direction that you want because they view it as a positive relationship already.
1: sounds as though both of you have had fairly positive experiences with news media. What happens when someone says, no, we're going to report that story about the firefighter who had the DUI? Do you... Take punitive kind of action against the media agency, or do you go to their higher-ups, or what do you do?
2: I think a lot of it is you ignore it. There seems to be a lot to uh, to be a way to do that. And I, I've seen them do some of that. They, you just don't pay attention to it. You don't, you don't give it any reaction because that's kind of what they're wanting, right? Like they're wanting a reaction to get their way. And so you just ignore it, downplay the situation, and then it typically goes away. And maybe it makes it up in the media for... 24 hours and then it's gone away pj and i have definitely learned that with some of our social media stuff then it's better to ignore it and take the high road
1: that's true because whether it's social media or the regular news media eventually it's going to go away
0: scott i also just do believe that there's uh, in those situations sometimes departments it's not the right decision to just ignore it and let it go away i think sometimes that enhances the problems I think that if we're proactive and we get the message out before the media, so if the media is going to come to us and say, hey, we're running this, running this story, but maybe the story is inaccurate, doesn't have the right details. At times, depending on the situation, it may be better for the department, for the community to get out ahead of that story. So it's not giving the appearance to those in the community that you're trying to hide something. that if you're putting information out, they're going to, accurate information, they're going to trust and believe the information that you're putting out there and maybe not pay attention to the news media reports as much.
1: All right. Do you deal much with reporters who don't really understand firefighting? And you mentioned the idea that they've been educated about, say, vertical ventilation but do you find that on occasion people will report things and you'll go, oh, that's not even close. What are they thinking?
2: Yeah, very much so. You know, they don't really have any idea about firefighting operations and what we're actually doing. So I feel like it's our job to kind of educate them. And, and that's okay. They're, they haven't done any firefighter training. So we needed to tell them exactly what's going on. So that's why the importance of a good PIO is huge. But at the same time, like what they're focused on is they're focused on property damage. Was anybody hurt? Were there dogs or cats inside the structure? If those are the type of things that they're kind of concerned about. Um, and if you can educate them to say, Hey, there was a dog that was removed and we actually have animal masks. And, uh, thanks to a donation from, I think we got our animal masks from, um, uh, firehouse subs. From a grant from Firehouse Subs, and if you're a PIO and you know that stuff off the top of your head, you can say, "We actually have animal masks that uh, we got from a grant from Firehouse Subs, so thanks for their donation." And then it just you know goes right on down the line. It sounded like an NASCAR driver, but uh, that's
1: exactly what I was <laughs> going to say.
2: <laughs> you know, but it it, uh, it works out to be a positive thing, and then they can it ties in that whole community involvement. And man, gosh, if you weren't supporting your local firehouse subs then these guys wouldn't have had the animal masks and they saved this so-and-so Mrs. Smith's dog. And it just goes on and on down the line. And, uh, you know, those are the positive effects of doing that. That You know, that's where uh, Brunicini and his customer service stuff was brilliant. It's brilliant, you know, to talk about Mrs. Smith and what we're actually doing for those people. And some people, I I feel like they kind of lose, they lose sight of being that human person of what people really are about. And that's where I think Brunacini was special, is that he got that. He got what the message was about for the
1: community. I go along with that. And, PJ, have you run into these sort of reporters who mean well, but just don't really understand what firefighters are doing and why?
0: Absolutely. Um, But I also think that it's important to remember and to approach all of the reporters by providing that education, even if you worked with them in the past, because, Who you're reporting that information to is not necessarily just the reporter, but it's also those in the community. So I think that every story that you assist with, whether it's a written story or whether it's a a video, is that you input that information that gives those educational snippets for the reporter to provide to his or her constituents in the community to help educate them. I think if you're going up to a situation where you're just providing the basic information of an, of an incident, you're not doing justice because somebody in the community may not understand also. So, I think you should look at every situation as an educational opportunity, not just an opportunity to report on an incident.
1: All right. Sean Gray, PJ Norwood, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3 about PIOs.
0: Thank Are you, you Scott. Well. We Thank appreciate you. it.
1: And we put more information about being a great PIO and why it's important On our website at Code3Podcast.com slash PIO. Check it out. Now here's your trivia question. Why are Dalmatians considered firehouse dogs? I'll have the answer right after this.
0: If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 bull session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious anywhere from 14 to 18,000 volts of electricity shot into my right hand and exited my right leg and right arm. Spent about four and a half months in a burn unit. Sometimes it's not so serious.
2: And once again, I, I refer to the late Chief Brunacini I can remember when his book first came out, Fire Ground Command, there were people that were ready to hang him in effigy. And and nowadays, we refer to him as St. Bruno. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been
0: missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today.
1: Now here's your trivia answer. The Dalmatian was originally kept to protect the horses that pulled early fire rigs. Dalmatians would run alongside the horses, keeping pace even when they had to sprint long distances. The Dalmatians would even defend the horses from other dogs or animals that could spook or attack the horses during the run. They also stood guard at the fire scene to make sure no one stole any gear. Nowadays, if you have a dog in your station, he probably doesn't have the same responsibilities. But he represents an important part of fire service history. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Got feedback about the show or a guest you'd like to hear? Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orrin. Until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of federal resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.